We thank you for today. Thank you because great things are happening in our lives. Thank you for teaching us the truth. Thank you, Lord, for setting us right. By the entrance of your word, we give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we go into studying your word on the subject of prayer today, we receive from you understanding. Lord, release it in a greater measure. We receive from you insight. Lord, release it in a greater measure. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Uh, before we sit down, can we just take that declaration that we take? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. May the word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Greater insight than ever before. Receive it in the name of Jesus. As you have declared, so is your portion. In Jesus' name we are prayed. All right, the Lord is good. All right, our school of prayer, uh, the Lord wants us to learn the things that are most important so that we don't pray about um, things that are not important. So that's one of the things that we are doing in our school of prayer to learn what is important. Now, for some time, we've been talking about that prayer warrior thing, and I want to switch slightly today, even though we are still talking on praying and talking about prayer warriors. When we're talking about the prayer warrior, I explained that my emphasis in that was... um, it is not everybody that God listens to with the same attention. That's a matter of fact. No matter how much we don't like the way it sounds, that is just the way it is. We may not like it. Uh, one of the scriptures that explain that best is that Jeremiah chapter 15, where God said, if you like Jeremiah, go and wake um, Moses up and go and wake Samuel up. If you wake them up, I still will not listen to them on this matter. That tells me simply, the prayers of Samuel... And the prayers of Moses were highly regarded by God. And we read from Jeremiah that when an angel came to that's Jeremiah, Daniel, several times the angel explained to him that you are a man of high esteem. When you speak, heaven moves. And that's what I tried to explain in that. Who is a man of high esteem? Who is the person, because both men and women, of high esteem? is a person that has chosen to relate closely with God. Who, I mean, it's not as if God randomly selects you be of high esteem, high esteem, low esteem, high esteem, low esteem, high esteem, to bond to bond, high esteem, to bond to bond, low esteem. No. It is each person that will come close to him. And by virtue of how they relate with him in righteousness, they will decide whether they will be lowly esteemed or highly esteemed. That's the way it works. So we looked at that, about the characteristics. When they are praying, they pray God's heart. They know what is important to God. They don't pray their own desires. They pray what God wants to do. Those are the things that are important. Their prayer points are not derived from their desires. They are derived from the word of God. They are persistent. Why are they persistent? The reason why they are persistent is that they know God. They know what he has. A man comes to his friend and says, lend me three loaves. He knows the guy has six loaves. He knows the guy has at least five loaves. He knows he has something to spare to help his own situation. Do you understand? So that is why he has the confidence to come to his friend and come and ask that kind of thing. They have a relationship. When we come to God, that's what faith is. We are confident that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. So if we come to him with faith in our hearts, he will reward us. That is what 
prayer warriors are. It's not somebody that knows how to shout. It's something in the heart. If Daniel was whispering, God will hear him. If Daniel was shouting, God will hear him. So Daniel would just decide to whisper so as to save his voice. Are you getting my point? Now keep on explaining along the line. People say, look, what is fasting? It's not hunger that makes God hear you. It is who you are. Do you get my point? That is what makes God listen to you. Righteousness is first of all by faith, but that faith must be genuine, and it is shown to be genuine by the works that it produces. So somebody who is walking righteously, therefore, it is because he's righteous, so he can walk righteously. And if his faith is genuine, his righteousness is genuine, what you'll see in his life is that God relates with him closer than he does with somebody else. It's a matter of fact that the eyes of the Lord run to and through the whole earth. What is he looking for? Do you understand? Whose heart is totally his? We looked at a man like Samuel. Samuel was not an average person. There was nothing he ever said that fell to the ground. But we can look at it because his, his mother gave him over to God. No, that's not just all that was about Samuel. It was that the man was full. He loves the Lord. Let's put it like that. When God said to Samuel that I'm unhappy, that I made Saul king, Samuel did not sleep. That it was, when God's heart is broken, his heart is broken. He really loved the Lord. He loved what God loved and hated what God hated. He didn't used to make excuses for disobedience. Do you understand? God was his primary concern, and that's why he will speak a word and it will be upheld. And let me say to us again as Christians, we must be careful to move closer to God. We must be careful to relate with him because we love him. He's a person. I just feel like emphasizing that it's important we just don't treat him like a supplier. I don't know if I get my point. That is, like I say. <laughs> what I call an ever-present help in the time of need. He said, but that's what the Bible says about him. Don't get me wrong. There are some people that, the way they look at, at God, I used to call and tell my wife, see, you know what you are doing? Say what? I say, you are treating me like an ever-present help in the time of need. It sounds like a good thing, right? But it's a bad thing. So what are you talking about? In the time of need. you notice that? When we don't need him, we don't notice him. That's the bad side of it. When the Bible says it's a never-present help in the time of need, it was talking about the fact that God is faithful. But when we turn around and say, when we don't need him, we don't notice him. So if we don't need anything from God, we leave him. Let's not treat him like that. Sometimes, listen, as a matter of fact, when we want to praise God, oftentimes it's because we need something. The praise is not good. So let us praise God. We will be healed. Let's begin to worship. Father, we'll worship you at the healer. That is, what you are saying is that I'm desperately sick. What are you doing? But do something, that kind of thing. Move. That's what we are doing. Now, in them, in that, in itself, those things may not be total. They are not bad. It's just that if that's all we do, it's not good. There are times we just call him the healer, not because we are sick, but that's because we know that's who he is. There are times you just hear that people are sick, or maybe you were even sick and now you are well. You're just calling him the healer, not because you are you need you need healing now. But because you just know that, ah, he's the healer. Okay, let me give an example. There's one, one very popular music in Nigeria, sung by one of these uh, big musicians, all right? So one day downstairs here, I met the guy who wrote, uh, who produced this. I know what they call produce. Those of you know, the person who arranged the song, gave it rhythm and all of that, okay? The, the guys who hear, they just sing it. Those ones just sing it. So I met the guy who, who did the song. So I was one of my colleagues. I just said, ah, let's, let's, let's call the guy Marlon Brando, all right? That's not the name, <laughs> He said, this is Marlon Brando. The guy said, okay, pleased to meet you. He's the producer of that particular song. The moment I said it, that my colleague with me, he grabbed the guy, shook his hand vigorously, grabbed him and said, please, I should take them a picture. So I snapped the picture of him and see him smiling because he met a man who produced a song. Do you understand my point? Now, the point I'm making here is this. 
when I introduced that guy as a producer, did I need my music produced? No, sir. Thank you. Why did I call him the producer for somebody else? I recognized him as a producer, and I proudly introduced him to somebody that, ah, this guy is a producer. That song he produced was a hit. And, of course, the guy who I called producer smiled. You know, you will be excited when somebody responds to your presence like that. Are you getting my point? Uh You know, you introduce people sometimes. They're your friends. don't need anything from them. Okay? We just want to show, oh, this is the person. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can actually praise God like that. You're not looking for anything. But you recognize him in that area. Some of you are saying that, ah, economy is bad. You're not trying to pray for money. You just say, is economy our God? God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, is our God and is our supplier. And you just say matter of factly. You're not asking for anything. You're not planning to pray. In fact, you have excess money right now. You're not planning to pray. But you recognize who he is. That is proper praise. A lot of the praise we do is bribery. We, we are looking for something. So they say the only way we can get it is to call God his name until you get it. So you are calling that name. You are whining him, whining God. God, your head never swear. Now do, do something. Now we've been calling you by your name. We don't really recognize. It's a method we are using. We don't really recognize him. Do you follow my point here? Yes, so it's important we get the point, all right? So we should learn it. Let's relate with God just for who he is, okay? So back to what we are saying. So a prayer warrior understands this thing. He loves the Lord. That's what I'm saying. Samuel loves the Lord. God was not just an ever-present help in the time of need. When I need him, I pray. No, he treats, look, that's what I'm trying to encourage us. Let's treat him as a person. Somebody we greet in the morning. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you are good. Because you can't really tell him good morning. Good morning is for you. Are you getting my point? <laughs> so you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, you are good. It's a greeting. Thank you. We woke up this morning. You are alive. You are the reason why we are alive. It's a greeting. It's morning. You want to eat. You are grateful. It's not the cook. It's not the person who sold you meat. It's not the fellow who worked and produced money. There is none good but God. So we look at food and tell him, Lord, thank you. When you say that, you have, thanked, you have thanked him for rain. You have thanked him for seed. You have thanked him for harvest. You have thanked him for life. You have thanked him for the weather. You thank for the fact that we process the harvest food. You have thanked him for fuel to transport it down. You have thanked, thanked him for gas to cook it in the house. You have thanked him for money. Do you follow my point? And because food is, listen, physically speaking, is the most important thing we do as human beings. <laughs> you have thanked him for life. And that's why, if you go and read it, you didn't hear that Jesus entered the boat. And before he entered, he gave thanks. The Bible never said that. There are not too many times you see the word and he gave thanks. He cast out demons. He did not give thanks for casting out demons. Father, I thank you for giving me the power to cast out demons. You don't see that. But there's never a time he handled food. You don't hear that he gave thanks. After he gave thanks, he took the bread. That's how it is. He always gives thanks. Anytime he wants to eat, that lets you know that thanksgiving with food is an important thing. I think the Lord lays more emphasis on it than many other things. And this way I understand it. It's like you are saying to God, the reason why I'm alive is because of you. So before I eat, I say, Father, I thank you. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just recognizing who he is. And believe it, he likes that. He likes it. Okay? Let's bear that in mind. So, a prayer warrior actually is somebody 
who understands all of these things. He's praying to bring the will of God to birth on the earth. He's not praying that he might, you know, get something for himself. His primary focus is God's will. I hope you are getting my point. Most pray, pray, the prayers we pray as Christians, we have to re- no, we have to rearrange them. We've been taught too much to focus on our problems. We've been taught too much to focus on our needs. We've been taught too much to focus on things that Jesus specifically said we should not focus on. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to you. He said, take no thought. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? He said, this is how the Gentiles pray. Do you know what we do? We have taken Gentiles' prayers and baptized them in the name of Jesus. That's how we have to learn what did God say we should pray about. So that's what we talked about then. And today I want to go, continue in that area, but I want to focus on something. This just hit me, and I've meditated about it for the short time after it hit me that I had before I was to come and preach. And I just realized the Holy Spirit was saying that, guys, get your priorities even in praying right. I want to say something. I think I'm correct. Do you know what? I think a lot of the prayer we've been praying for our country has not been good. Okay, let's read this again. Isaiah chapter 62. Today I want to introduce a prayer point which we pray about all the time, but I think we need to re-examine the importance of it. Isaiah chapter 62. Because I'm reading the whole chapter, I'll read it very quickly. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth like brightness, and her salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations will see your righteousness, that is Zion and Jerusalem. And all kings will see your glory. And you will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. You will also be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and the royal diadem in the hand of your God. It will no longer be said to you, forsaken, nor to your land will it any longer be said, desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land will be called, married. For the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, this is the job of the prayer warriors, and this is why I'm reading this. That's why I get this is our school of prayer. We're studying how to pray. And that's why I need to emphasize this. Look at what God said. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. Now notice this. In the beginning he said, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. Can you see that? And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep quiet. I have a plan for her, that nations will see her righteousness and all kings will see her glory. To get that to come to be, in verse 6 it says, on, that, on Jerusalem's walls, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep quiet, silent. Just what God is doing. Can you see that? He said, now notice this. You who remind the Lord... Take no rest for yourselves and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. 
The Lord has sworn by his right hand and his strong arm, I will never again give your grain as food to you for your enemies. Nor will foreigners drink your new wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it will eat it, and it will harvest it, and praise the Lord. And those who gather in gather it will drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through the gates. Clear the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Remove the stones. Lift up a standard over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Lo, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. They will call them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you will be called, sought out, a city not forsaken. Now, I want you to understand something here. Now, we'll continue developing this. I want to focus on the side of prayer anyway. But I want you to understand that the hope for the world. You know what Jesus said? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now, please listen to what I'll say carefully. The hope for the world is the church of God. Is the church of Christ. The hope for this world is the advancement of the gospel. There is no other hope. Listen. Every nation on this earth will be destroyed. The only hope is what we are talking about. The advancement of the gospel. That prophecy must be fulfilled if they are going to have peace. Listen to this. When Paul told Timothy that people should pray, he gave him the reason why he said they should pray. Pray for the leaders. Alright? Let's quickly read it. You know, it's so important we get this point. First Timothy chapter 2. It said, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority. So that what? Okay, everybody read that one loud. Now, what was the reason why I said we should pray for kings and all who are in authority? That we may lead. Thank you. I wanted to emphasize something. He said it was for our sake. I reasoned about it. Why is it that we need to live a tranquil and quiet life? I'll give you a simple um, answer. He said, because God desires all men to be saved. So if we are not quiet and peaceable, if they are shooting on our way to Makodi, how will all the men in Makodi be saved? Are you getting my point? If the economy is so bad, we can't pay for airtime, how will all men be saved? There is a principle that God calls preservation unto salvation to be revealed. That is, you pray for people so that they can be preserved for the salvation that will be revealed. There's a, there's, there's a principle there. Because you cannot pray salvation for people that will not believe. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You can't pray for people. Like I was, saying, I was analyzing with my wife. No matter how much Abraham prayed for Sodom and Gomorrah, are you getting my point? They will still eventually be destroyed unless they are saved. The only permanent reason why they will not be destroyed is if they become saved. 
And I like one thing my pastor said those days, that that was why Abraham could not go below 10, because God was accepting 10 as the least amount of people needed to spread righteousness. So you cannot pray that people will not be destroyed. You can only postpone the day of the destruction. If during the time you have postponed the destruction, you understand, they don't come to repentance, they will still be destroyed. Forty days hence, and Nineveh shall be overtaken. Forty days came, they were not overtaken. Why? Repentance. But the generation after that did not recognize that, so they were overtaken. Are you getting my point here? That is why I'm saying it to you. It is not possible. Listen, it is not possible for people to be permanently saved because you are interceding. Except the intercession is to preserve them for salvation. We talk about Moses being a powerful intercessor, right? But you know the truth? Everybody he prayed for still died. Every single one. None survived. Why? When you pray for people, it suspends their death. But they must repent. Your prayer is to just give them the chance to lengthen the days of their... Now, I'm using the words of Daniel now. To lengthen the days of their prosperity, if peradventure, during that period, they will come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen to me. In today's age, the only hope for any people, the only hope for any people is the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus and the establishment of the influence of the church of Christ in that place. There is no other hope. Let me give you another thing that we've discussed here before. People have different levels of blessings in life. Hmm? They have different levels. What do I mean? Noah had three sons. Shem, Japheth, Ham, alright? You know, not in any particular order, but we have three. We know that Shem was the most blessed, Japheth next to him, and Ham was not blessed at all. How do we know? Because no, Moses said, curse be Canaan. And we have analyzed it here again and again. A man cannot sin and you curse his son alone. And the curse jumps him. No. It is upon a man and his descendants. It's a spiritual principle. Gehazi sinned. The leprosy of Naaman will stick to you and your descendants. Look at Eli. He sinned. He and his sons. It was them and his descendants. God said it. I bring thee forth the iniquity of those that hate me upon, you know, that's how it goes. One generation after another. That's just the way it works. So when Moses said, "Cause be Canaan, he was narrowing his narrative. The people of Israel were coming to take the land of Canaan. But Cush was cursed too. Put was cursed too. Mizraim was cursed too. Just as Canaan. Four sons of Ham. Most of whom populated the continent you call Africa today. Are you getting my point? God will look at the people and say, I have made his, made his gate a desolation. Let him struggle from that to tomorrow. People think that it's just, no, you know, you see people every time getting up and give you analysis, give you analysis. The problem with African leaders, yes, we know that's the problem with African leaders, but how come it's African leaders that have that problem? That's what they call it, because it's a spiritual principle hanging in the air. Hanging there. Now, this is, listen to me. Jesus came. The sacrifice of Jesus is interesting. He came as a serpent that was strung on the pole, which is a type of Jesus on the cross. And you will notice something. That serpent, that God, when he gave that serpent, says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will the son of man be lifted up. 
so that whoever looks to him persistently, attentively, with a steady and absorbing gaze, will be saved. We are mixing the scriptures now so that we can make everything very clear. Notice this, he did not remove the serpent on the ground. The serpent on the pole did nothing about the serpent on the ground. What was he saying? I'm not dealing with the serpent on the ground. I'm not dealing with the curse of Noah. No, that one is there. It's permanent. You can't do anything about it. So what am I going to do? I'm going to bring you out from under it. I'm bringing you into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So you cannot pray, curse people to be blessed. You can only preach them to be blessed. Are you getting my point? It is the, listen, you love your relatives. You can pray for them, for their days of prosperity to be elongated. They must personally come to the knowledge of Christ. Otherwise, they are doomed. Otherwise, they are cursed permanently. What you can pray for your brother, your sister, your cousin, your father, your mother, your uncle, your auntie, people you love, is for God to lengthen the days of their prosperity so that they will come, you will have time to encounter him. But there is no way to save them outside Jesus Christ. There is no name given under heaven by which man shall be saved. There is no other one. You can't pray them into their own salvation except they personally believe. So you can pray all kinds of prayers. You can pray for God to send laborers into the harvest. You can pray that God will give them understanding, the spirit of understanding. You can pray that darkness will be removed from, from covering their hearts. You can pray all kinds of prayers, but they must believe. They have to personally accept to believe. Talk about nations. There's no blessing for Nigeria that you can pray beyond that God will give peace and tranquility to us and lengthen the days of our prosperity so that we, you and me, can push the true deliverance of God into every corner of the earth. Sometimes you see people say, we are going to pray over territorial spirits. Paul never did that. He he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? Because the word of God, the sacrifice of Jesus, is a deliverance from territorial spirits. That's why Paul would say, okay, let us drive out the territorial spirit in Enugu. You know what he used to do? He didn't bother himself praying about them. He came here, sat down here, and started teaching the word of God. Yeah. The Holy Spirit, they respect themselves. Paul can't sit down and be teaching, and you will not shift. Paul will sit down and start teaching, and he will teach persistently. Territorial spirits go draw back small. According to my friend, they get to draw back small. The more he advances the light of Christ, the more they push back. They have to. Why? The word has come out. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. What is gate? Gate is defense system. So the more we preach, Islam will go back. It, can, it will go back. It has no choice. It doesn't, it doesn't have any choice. The bombers will go back to the desert from where they came. Why do we speak? Let me tell you the truth. I've said it many times. The only problem Nigeria has is the church of Christ. There's no second problem. Buhari is a blessing, not a problem. The only problem we have is the church of Christ. Jokes apart, seriously, I will put my head on the, under a bulletin. I'll tell you, drop it if I'm wrong. Unless this Bible is not true. Unless this Bible is not true. If this Bible is true, listen. Jesus says, sell all you have and give to the poor, right? He told one man there. I'm telling Christians, sell all you have and preach the gospel. Because it's the only hope. You cannot, listen, 
You cannot teach people to prosper in this country. Unbelievers cannot be taught to change this country. Listen, change comes automatically as light moves. There is nothing. You can't motivate a dead man to walk. Is this motivation we need? You cannot motivate a dead man to walk. When Lazarus died, they, they, they got, Jesus gave them four days to motivate him. You say, how did he do that? He just left them and continued his business. And you know what we do to dead people? We are always motivating them. Ah, you don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'll explain it to you. Lazarus, you can't go. You can't go. What is that? Motivation. I've seen it before. Ah, one day, oh God, it breaks my heart just thinking about it. The man was sick in the hospital, had a stroke, a massive stroke. And we tried to get the move. Move this man to a bigger hospital. The wife begged us. We can't handle him here. Private clinic. One night, I went to attend to the man. Make it long story. His wife was staying with him in a private room on the second bed there. I was attending to this man. At 2 a.m., 3 a.m., I just told the woman, please step out. The nurse was there with me. I was trying to resuscitate him. I think he was bleeding massively in the head. There was nothing we could do. No. So, make a long story short. At the point in time, I called for our security guard. When the woman saw that security man pass, she knew something was wrong. So she dashed past him into the room, and the man was dead. I still remember her grab his face. He was just dying, you know, he just died. So the body was still soft and everything. And she explained to him why he couldn't go. Told him everything he needed, she needed to tell him. It was very, I mean, it was a bad case. It was night. Called my guy, you know, just told. But I was the only one that night. She knew the man had died. Of course, I didn't stop. I just stood there. I was just watching. She grabbed his face like this. He was gone. Told him everything. He didn't answer. People gathered around Lazarus for days. Now, remember, when Lazarus, when they told, was it Mary or Martha, that the Lord had come, she got up to go and meet him. And the women followed him, thinking he was going where? To the grave to go and cry. She was, they were motivating Lazarus even while he was in the grave. They were talking to Lazarus. Lazarus, why would you leave us like this? You know how our father died since. You're the only man in this family. You know the way Israel is when a woman doesn't have any man around. Lazarus, Lazarus. Lazarus. They, you know now, the women form songs for Lazarus. Did you answer anybody? This is the reality about life. Jesus came. Did not motivate Lazarus. He instructed Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. A ma- Listen, the brain is the first to go when a man dies. The way God designed the brain doesn't understand no oxygen. People's hands have been chopped off accidentally in factories. You carry the hand, drive 30 minutes to get to hospital. Doctors will journey back. Go back to maybe not 100%, but full function. Even this, this, the nerves will grow back. Doctors will identify the nerves, journey to where you cut it, and the hand has been dead on the table for 30 minutes. Oh, yes, the brain doesn't survive for more than five. Ask Izuchuku, if you have to clamp a vessel in the brain, they time it. You have to loosen that vessel within five minutes. So you know the state of Lazarus's brain. That's what I'm talking about. How was he supposed to hear? 
A man whose brain has turned to water. Literally, that's what happens. Turns to pap, dilute pap. Yet Jesus got there and said to Lazarus, Come forth. Lazarus did not come forth. He found himself at the door by the power of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So much that Jesus has said, lose him, let him go. That shows you he couldn't have reached there if it was by his own energy. He was still bound. That is the difference between motivation and life. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. Which means when his life manifests in the place, they suddenly start learning how to do things properly. But you know what we're trying to do a lot of times? We are pushing light in our motivation to dead people. The church has no business now, I understand it, spending money on any other thing than to preach, to push the truth of Jesus to every corner of this earth. No matter how much motivation and principles you teach them, they can't learn it, they are dead. You may as well get Anthony Robbins, John Mason, give me another person. Maxwell, Sivikovi, Brian Tracy. Put all of them around Lazarus' grave. Give them one week. For all we are doing these days in trying to teach unbelievers. Lazarus ain't coming out of the grave because your name is Brian Tracy. I mean, I add less brown to it. Lazarus is dead. If you're dead, you can't be motivated to walk. When people are dead in their trespasses and sins, they don't need motivation. Let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus. It's a very stupid idea. If it was not a stupid idea, why would Paul say, I'm not ashamed of it? Like I was saying today, <laughs> easy. I said, if I came to your program with my G class, you know that one I just bought? <laughs> Are you laughing? Am I too small to wear a G class? I want all of you serious. Otherwise, I'll take an offering for my G class right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> if I came with my G class, I will not tell anybody I'm not ashamed of my car. Will I tell anybody that? No. If I'm ashamed of it, you, you should die for your own. I mean, what do you the one you brought? <laughs> when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it means that when you first present it, it appears very stupid. <laughs> the day I felt like it, once I, a boss of medical students, that was my first time of really having that feeling. A boss of medical students were traveling. They flipped over. I think one of them died on the spot. They rushed the rest back to the hospital. Rushed two of the boys to intensive care unit. When I heard, I walked with somebody. I just worked over there. Of course, these are students. I walked in there, removed my shoes, went to my CMAC. I said, Ma, I want to pray for these boys. I'm a consultant in the hospital. I should join them in hemostasis. I should join them in, but I just said, I need to pray for them. She said, all right, let's go. So I went with my CMAC. I didn't talk. I just went to the foot of each bed, lay hands on the boy's feet while they are walking on him over there, and prayed. Prayed for the two people and left, because one of their colleagues had died in casualty. That was the day in my life I realized how foolish the gospel was. You are in a hospital. You are not carrying your syringe and needle. You are praying. Are you mad? But that day I said, Ah, I have to pray this prayer. I had reached there before I realized it was a stupid idea. I don't know whether I get my point. <laughs> but my CMAC, she followed me, held my hands. And two of us prayed over the two of them. I greeted her, thank you, ma. And I left. For the CMAC to be dead, you know what I mean? That's how, we, of course, everybody behaves like that. The staff, you say, our student, they mobilized everything. So CMAC came by herself, second in command to the CMD, to come and supervise all the resuscitation. 
Listen, the gospel can be very stupid appearing. That was why Paul said, I am not ashamed. You go to a place where there's gully erosion. And you, did you hear what I said? There's gully erosion. Then you set up a camp teaching the gospel of the coming of Jesus there. And normal person will ask you, what has this got to do with gully? They say there is Boko Haram bombing things and all that. You go and start a church in Medugri like my friend Pastor Courage. You know that's what he did. That's why his father gave him the name Courage. He knew one day he would do crazy things like that. Imagine, that is what you call the solution. When you are supposed to get an army of volunteers and spies to help Nigeria army, you are going there to start a church, believing that if you start preaching from there, they will move back. If that does not sound stupid to you, then you are a believer. That was why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. He says, the power of God, not the power of man. The power of man to salvation. Let's talk about salvation briefly. Salvation is deliverance. Salvation is economic prosperity. Salvation is healing. Apart from the main salvation that you know, which is deliverance from sin and transferring somebody from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation means all of these other things, including healing. They say there's economic hardship. You are saying we should increase the number of places from where we preach the word. The gospel doesn't make sense. But you know what Paul said? It is the power of God. You don't like it, but it's the power of God. What's the power of man? Youth empowerment. Are you getting my point? That's the power of man. Youth empowerment. Developmental strategies. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, agricultural extension system. Tungia system. That's the power of man. And we want to focus on it. Distribute food here and there. Carry clothes. Motivate people. Call Boko Haram to the table. Give amnesty. The power of man. And sometimes what God has used in previous times to give salvation, that is manifestation of it, we form into a doctrine. It becomes the power of man. Like one bishop said, prayer is not in the success equation. Yes. That prayer is not in the success equation. So I feel like calling the man of God. So what is inside it? I can't remember what he said. But what we need, he was talking about how was this Zimb- not Zimbabwe, Congo, one of those countries, gave a license for 50-something million dollars for his copper mines. And that company that he gave the license to recovered all his money in two years. Trying to emphasize the stupidity of African leadership. I said, it is that we Christians like to go and pray that prayer is not in the success equation. It's strategic thinking and planning and dun, 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 that, that leads to success. I feel like I say, man of God, better leave this thing before God gets angry. Listen to me. Prayer is in the success equation. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Is anyone, is anyone afflicted? Let him pray. Have you not read your Bible? Yes, sir. Why was it that it was Daniel the sense to when things were bad? Was it not because he was a man of prayer? When Darius found that the plot was against Daniel, did Darius not go to pray all night and rush out to the lion's den in the morning to say, Daniel, oh Daniel, servant of the Most High God, has your God who you serve with all your heart day and night, has, has he been able to deliver you? If prayer was not in the success equation, why was the man so concerned about Daniel? 
Why did he come and say, oh, Daniel? Why did he not come and say, oh, Daniel, intelligent man, whose brain is so big and wide? I hope you have survived these lions. Were you able to outsmart them? He did not say that. He emphasized on the kind of relationship that Daniel had with his God. Listen, my people, prayer is in the success equation. If you don't know how to pray, you will fail. Because the church doesn't know that we have diverted a lot of our resources to things that don't bring life. But guess what? There are things we are not ashamed of. Nobody is ashamed of them. The things that really bring life to the average person is shameful. That was why Paul said, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. Abuse me. I am not ashamed. Because if you look at it on the surface, amongst intelligent people, your gospel makes no sense. That's why one man went to the United Nations. I know nobody listened to him, but I'm happy he did it. He spoke and addressed the assembly that the solution to today's problem is Jesus Christ. I know they don't believe him, but he said it. And he told the testimony of how he died. And Jesus appeared to him and told him he would live. And he lived. Without blood getting to his brain for a certain period of time, he was speaking to them intelligently. And he said what the world will never believe until they believe. He said the solution to all this crisis in the world today is Jesus Christ. Believe me, if you have studied advanced you know, international relations, you have a PhD, and somebody comes to tell you that is the solution to the world's problem, is that you're already a believer or you will call him a fool? Because it doesn't make any sense. What am I trying to say? Let's get back to the truth. What our country needs is the truth of Christ being preached. That's what the country needs. Why did he say we need to pray? No, we've been praying a lot of times. Even me, I prayed like that. But it struck me, thank you. Let us rearrange this prayer. Pray for peace in the country is good, but it's for one purpose, for preservation, for a salvation that will be revealed. That your country, mark my words, I believe is the word of God, feels so prophetic as I'm about to say it, that this country will not prosper. No African country will prosper because naturally they have no blessing to hang on except you listening to me. Go there and teach the gospel of Jesus the way Paul used to teach it. And the people believe. And they move the gospel into their villages. And they believe. And they move to their hamlets. You start from their cities. It moves to their towns, to their villages. moves to every corner. That is how development will track. So they say, contribute money to educate children in Rwanda. Very nice. But if they say, contribute money for missionaries going there, give all your money to the missionaries. And leave the United Nations to be spending his money on buying books and clothes. You spend your money to buy tracts. You can buy notebooks so that they can write when they are teaching them the scriptures. Teach them to read so they can read the Bible. Not because education will liberate them. The most educated people on the earth are idiots. Good example, Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking died a fool. But he had a PhD and was a Cambridge professor. But the foolish man says in his heart, there is no God. They asked him, how did things start? Thing start? He says the Big Bang. Nothing was going nowhere. On no day, there was no time. There was nothing. No purpose. Yet nothing exploded and became everything. And after millions of years, it became Chooks. <laughs> and Okemute. And Chooks is actually a baboon without the hair. He's a monkey, but he went to school. His younger brother did not go to school. He's in the jungle. 
They are children of the same father. That is what Stephen Hawking said. That all the monkeys are your relatives. Who's your grandfather, Zeph? <laughs> if that makes sense to you, <laughs> how can that make sense to an adult? This morning I tell you, I want to give a lecture to medical students. When I finish explaining to them about why you are at peace with your body, I was teaching them about what in medicine we call autoimmunity. That is the defense system fighting the body, causing many diseases. Number one, childhood type diabetes. As an example, many people will know about that one. I said, for me, that's not the issue. The issue is how come we don't all have it? As I said, having read everything, I realized that we should all, our immune system should be fighting us on a daily basis. So the first half of the lecture was me teaching how the immune system does not fight itself. You know the way God designed it? He designed your immune system to treat your body the way a dog treats somebody he grows up with. So when your immune system is developing, he sniffs every other thing around. And he's told, don't react to that one. Don't react to that one. Don't react to that one. I said to them at the end, if you still believe in evolution, then you are a hopeless case. You see the design of the human system. And you still believe this evolved out of nothing, then you are hopeless. Yes, Stephen Hawking believed it. And they asked him at the end of the day. They said, what was there before the Big Bang? The only answer he had was that that question is of no significance because there was no time reference. Does that have any meaning? It's like when a man asks you a question you don't know, you tell him, divide the X, where is the upon cost Y? You know he doesn't know mathematics, so you bamboozle him with big English. The truth is that you have no answer. But the Bible says, in the beginning, God. That's the answer to everything. In the beginning, God. Put a pause there, you have your answer. So education is not going to make them smart. It's a light of Jesus. It's a light of Jesus. And you have seen men that didn't go to school when the light of Christ breathed upon them. Algie Lutonot calls himself a self-taught engineer. That is, he didn't go to formal school, but he would sketch a design. His engineers would take one week to decode it. Which came to him as he was about to fall asleep because he was tired. He'd been in church the whole day. As he was about to fall asleep, suddenly something hit him. He ran into his study and began to sketch. Sketched till morning. Went to work next morning, drove for his engineers, our next machines, designed it. He didn't go to school. I told you about the man who told me that he personally controlled the exchange rate between the dollar and the French franc 15 times from Lagos. He said, man of God, I finished school in primary six. So if they say we are taking money out there, believe me, what we need is the gospel of Jesus. God, Jesus did not remove the curse that Noah placed upon Noah, uh, on Ham on his, and his descendants. He took them out from under that into a new kingdom. So he said to everybody, go into all the world and preach that gospel. School of prayer. So he now said, listen to this. Where were we reading just now? Isaiah 62. In Isaiah 62, so he explained it. Now before I go to Isaiah 62, let me show you something. Let's go to Psalm 87. Now listen to the hope for your country. Listen to the hope for African countries. And every country in Europe and North America and Asia, that will not be destroyed by God. This is the only hope. Listen, mark my words, people. Don't run to Europe. There's no salvation there. I can say this to you. If you run there now, your children will run back under pressure. They will run from war. They will run from disease. I said to you before, don't be excited. They build the biggest, the tallest building in the world, Burj Khalifa. Which country is that one? 
Is he also in Dubai? Anyway, United Arab Emirates are fine. It's not a, I'm not impressed. Anytime I see it, it looks like a golf club. A ninja, a ninja will uproot it and use to sweep every other thing into the ocean. It's not a big deal. They've done it before. Those angels, it's a mighty in strength. That's what the Bible describes them as. They will take Bojal Arab and use it to play golf. Yeah, Creone say, Michael, I can shoot further than you. Say, okay, what are you going to shoot? You release one thing from heaven and go to the root of Bojal Arab. You know the way golfers do it? They push something down beside it and shoot! You will call it a tsunami, you will call it an earthquake. But Bojal Arab will fall down. And people now say it's because it doesn't have any foundation. You know it doesn't have any solid rock foundation. He has sand as his foundation, which is very good, very prophetic. Foundation of sand. They dug down, dug down, dug down. They didn't find any bedrock. So finally they put the sand back and then used the friction of metal against sand as its foundation. They will not start realizing that that thing is not good. It is good. It's just the angel said it's time. And God will not spare Europe too. He will not spare any country that pokes his fingers in the face of Christ. He won't. Don't be foolish. You are looking for where to run to. Ask yourself, what are they doing there? Said their prime minister's wife is a man. Say, I beg, I'm going back to Meduguri. That's safer. He said, but they were bombing there. He said, don't worry. The Emir's wife is a woman. <laughs> ah, you have to learn how to read spiritual things. So. People say they are not hurting anybody. They're inside their bedroom. Their spirit is hurting everything. I beg go. And I'll shout. Which psalm is that? Say so his foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, sailor. Notice that. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. <laughs> He's talking about the church of Christ, too. He says, I shall mention Rahab and Babylon amongst those who know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there. That is, they will say, this one was born there. I shall mention United States, United Kingdom, Australia. And I shall mention France. And they will say, oh, this guy is a citizen. You know the way we nicely drop it? I'm a British citizen. I'm, a, I'm an American citizen. That's why people will sell their best rights because their wife is pregnant. Why? He needs, she needs to go and deliver in America. He has never been to Obudu. He has never been to Abuja. He has never been anywhere serious in Nigeria. But he will gather money. And Americans will welcome him gladly. It's, it's, it's tourism, medical tourism. You are going to pay $10,000. They will collect. Why? You are buying a future for your children. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, if, I, if my wife is pregnant, we're in Rwanda, and she goes into labor there, you will deliver in Rwanda. And if you okay, no, Rwanda is good. We will cross to Burundi, you will deliver for Burundi. doesn't make any difference to me. And if you're in Enugu, please, born in Enugu. I believe that thing very seriously. I've told you the testimony many times. First time my wife was going to deliver, she got a free offer. Now I visit your sister in the UK. You deliver over there. My wife asked her mother nicely, when will my husband see his child? He said, maybe you come back after two months. So the person go give me belly. I go born in Peking. Two months, no go carry. I go bless the Peking when they born. 
This speaking is an arrangement between me, God, and my husband. Now I go bless her. Say thank you very much. No, thank you. Her mother looked at her and said, You and your husband, you are strange people. <laughs> strange people. You know why? I believe what I'm reading to you. He said, But of Zion it shall be said, This one and that one were born in her. And the Most High will establish her. The Lord will count when he registers the people and put a special mark beside them and say, This one was born there. Sailor. I think I can stop reading verse 6. What is he saying? That the, citizen, the citizenship of Zion is what is important to anybody. This is what I'm preaching to you this evening. Listen. The hope for this world is that the church of Christ advances to everybody. There is no other hope. So as you preach the truth and the people start receiving the gospel of truth, by their very presence, they are standing on the land. Do you get my point? The things will just start rearranging. People will have explanations for you. If you want, if people recorded, if CNN was present when Israel was delivered through the Red Sea, the, geog- the geographers will have an explanation for why the Red Sea parted. When Dathan, Koran, and Abiram, when Dathan, Koran, and Abiram led rebellion, and they sank. Do you know there is today a geological explanation? Yeah, there is. They will even tell you, you know, that's what they call sinkholes. And then, why, why were there sinkholes? Look, I don't know. But the way it is arranged. When God wants to create, wants to destroy a place, it's as if God has set some places up. He said, that, don't worry, let them pass that side where there are sinkholes. I will sink somebody there. When he wants to destroy some countries, he has already prepared the giant fourth line with which he will use earthquake to sink everybody. When Sodom and Gomorrah was bathed with fire, all right? When they were bathed with fire and they disappeared from the surface of the earth, so that's as of today, the location of Sodom and Gomorrah is known, is the most sterile part of the earth. Not even bacteria grows there. Bacteria can't grow there. Even now you go grow inside sulfur. Yet, when it happened, Now we have the explanation. There was a volcano that erupted from some distance away. But we, when we read those things from above the sun, we understand that an angel went there and boiled it. Say, give me that water heater. I sank it inside. Increase the voltage. Call them in kanji. Increase the voltage. Thing began to hyperboil. There was a cooking angel. Then there was this precious stopper holder angel who held it while the other boys were rounding people up inside Sodom and Gomorrah. And the other one said, nah, this place is getting too hot. Move. So the other angel took Lot. Shift. When Lot was delaying, the angel said, boy, don't spoil things for us. They said, you must not die. So he pushed Lot by force. Why? One angel had his hand, literally, I'm telling you, not to one, had his hand on the top of the volcano. They had arranged the trajectory of what would come out from it. And as soon as Lot was there, boom, he released his cup, the cup. And the pressure that the other angel was building inside by his cooking, all those heat he was putting inside, shot literal fireballs and sulfur into the air, and it rained on Sodom and Gomorrah. What I've told you really happened. What am I trying to say? When God starts blessing people, 
we will see the economic decisions they took. We will see the governments that were changed. People now start telling you, it's because the government was led by young, a young man for the first time. They have to find an explanation. But the Bible says clearly to us, by faith we understand. He said, without faith, you have no understanding, actually. By faith, we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. So that what we see is not really what happened. Something that did not appear that caused that which we saw. The real hope, the real hope is the advancement of the gospel of Jesus. And we pray for our country. It is to preserve it for salvation that is to be revealed. Not as if our prayers can cause permanent prosperity. It can't. Our prayers cannot cause permanent prosperity. Only the light of Christ shining. So when you want to pray, you understand that it's not a joke. When you pray things like send laborers into the harvest field, that's not a joke. You are saying that's a hope. When you get to your hometown, there's no road there. Don't worry about the road. You get there, there's no church. Or you get there, the only church, there's one old reverend father who all he does is say mass, does not teach the word. Be concerned. Join the church and say, Father, good afternoon. I'm a charismatic. I teach the Bible. Pray that he will allow you. Collect one small hall there. Go around the village. Say, I'm teaching the word of healing. Jesus died for your health. The reverend father will not protest, trust me. Everybody looking for who to help him walk anyway. Sit down there and read Isaiah chapter 53 to everybody. That was what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading the day that Philip met him. Read it also. I started explaining to people. Teach them what you have learned. Next day they will come back. That is the hope for your village, not the road. It's not the road. It's not that they bring the road. No. When you see coppers, they post them to your village. Ask anybody from NCCF there. They say yes. Get them a room. Put a satellite dish there to be watching some good Christian channels. Buy them a small generator and persuade them not to go so that they can be teaching the word in the village. That's what you need. When as they say that uh, our pastor's car needs to be changed, and you look at your church, you people are not advancing the gospel anywhere apart from entertaining yourself regularly. Don't, don't, don't donate money. I'm serious. This one that will keep on building taller cathedrals inside the cities is why we're not going anywhere. Just gather money and send people out. I'm very, I'm very sorry, I'm going to take offering from some of you here. Okay, and I went to go and inspect the church the other day. And they were living inside the bacha. So all these boys that dig gutter from all around you. They don't go to church on Sundays. And it doesn't concern you. When they start stealing, you will complain. Why, if you were the one, won't you steal if you don't know the truth? So I saw people that gathered them. You were there that day. You were the one that located the place before I joined you. They were over a hundred. Singing hymns in Hausa. And the man preaching. They are Muslims friends. Muslim friends have come to church and said, because my friend has changed, I said, let me come and see what's going on in his life. That's what I mean. No? Just like I say, pity that that land is not their own. Otherwise, I would have gathered all of you. Hey, you sell your tire. What are you doing with car? Take a care for two weeks. Send me those two tires. Go and sell it. Give me the money. Let's, let's help them. <laughs> in the people of God. That is the hope and that is the assignment. School of Prayer, right? I'm introducing a new set of teachings today. 
Let's now read this one again. Isaiah chapter 62. I've read it before. Yes. yes. So you have seen it. That what God has has a purpose is in Zion. When the Bible talks about Zion and Jerusalem, it wasn't talking about a piece of land in the Middle East. It was talking about the church of Christ. They did not say, we have come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God. The heavenly Jerusalem. Are you getting my point? That tells you, lets you know that the Zion is talking about is not the, it's not Jerusalem. Christians gather and say, go to the Middle East. I don't know why you don't give me your pilgrimage money. Because my bedroom, I will let you in. Look around. That's where Jesus is. <laughs> when you finish, I'll use your money to nice up my house. For the next that's looking for Jesus in Jerusalem, show him where Jesus is. You can do that to tell your neighbors, pass trip to Jerusalem, 10,000, 10, 10,000. I'm serious. Collect from 20 people. Follow me. This is my house. That's where Jesus is. <laughs> So refund our money. Hey, listen, this is where Jesus is. Don't come and come ask me for a refund. This is your money. I've spent it. No, be thank you. If you say they go to the other Jerusalem, how much you go pay? And they will sell you olive oil, sell you mustard, sell you sand. Now go to one dirty water, call River Jordan, package the water and be coming back home to deceive people who are more deceived than yourself. <laughs> when he speaks of Jerusalem, he's talking about the church of Christ. He said we are the true circumcision. Who worship God in the spirit and have no confidence in the flesh. He said, peace be upon the Israel of God. He said, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not keep silent. And that's in verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed intercessors, prayer warriors. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. He said, you who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. He said, and give him no rest until he establishes the church of Christ and makes it a praise on the earth. Give him no rest until people say, let us go to church. We will know what is true. Not they will say that all they are looking for, these pastors, is your money. You may say that they are not telling the truth. They don't know what they are saying. But it should also concern you, why did you give that impression? Why did they not say that about Paul? All they said about Paul is that these are the men who turned the world upside down. They have come here again. All they ever said about Paul is that they are teaching another religion that says Caesar is not king. That's what they ever said. All they ever said about Paul, that is commanding, commanding people not to obey Moses. And it's bringing Gentiles into the temple. That's all they ever said about Paul. How come when they want to talk about us, they say all we are looking for is people's money? And we think it's their fault. No, I think we have a problem. A friend of mine said he, was, he lives in the U.S. He's a good friend. Supports our ministry with his offerings and all of that. So as he was talking, they took time out to insult preachers. When he finished, he said, listen, I know preachers that are not looking for your money. Guess, <laughs> it's so funny. He said, there were just two names he mentioned. He said, my brother Bank is not looking for your money. Pastor Courage is not looking for your money. He couldn't say more than that. I think we are, look, don't let them, they are not the problem, we are the problem. That becomes a prayer point. I've told you, there are areas where I don't joke. I will pray that some of these fake prophets will fall down and, and I have no compulsion about it. 
Yes. I sell four down there. Somersault and scatter. They are the ones that shoot. It's not my enemies. They are all my enemies. Which enemies? I like the way Archbishop that also used to do it in Benin those days. That if you fly, say we are in town to do a program. If you fly as a witch, you never fly again. Now every witch maintain. No? <laughs> Once they say they are doing World Council of Witches meeting. It also dead them. If you love your life, come. To, if, you, if you don't love your life, come to this town. They cancel the meeting. They also have one and say, "You want to gather witches in Benin? While I'm here, yeah. All of you come. If you fly back again, I'm not a man of God." <laughs> the testimony they gave concerning Paul is that these are troublemakers. Though. Everywhere they go, they turn the world upside down. You don't like the, our reputation, right? Then that becomes your prayer point. Said so these people will give him no rest until he makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. So that when people hear the name, that guy is a Christian. They'll even be afraid to cheat him because they know his defender is strong. Listen, let me tell you what praise on the earth. They say how much is the money? Say it's supposed to be 1.5 million, but we'll give the guy 1 million. We'll tell him it's 500,000 a day. Say, okay, fine now. Ah, but we don't hammer. So let's go. say, follow me. Let me go pay the guy. They go. The main defrauder, we see. So, uh, uh, Mr. Chooks, this is your check. 1 million. The other guy will say, uh, okay, I'll come. I'm not here. Ah, see, friend, look what's going on. The guy will say, eh? You don't know that guy? He say, what do you He's a Christian. Nah, I beg. Give him 500k. Go back inside. Another shouto. We'll begin tell story. The other day, he bought land in Nikki down the road there. I was there. Now my cousin sell Antura. Three months later, we sold to another person. He came, said, Where is his land? He wanted to walk. We use that. You know, you know the way we normally do now. That guy said yes. So, but there are four of my cousins. All of them don't die. <laughs> He said, the guy no go court to. He didn't go to court to. He just told us that he doesn't have time for this kind of nonsense. That he leaves us to God. Oh boy, next day. <laughs> next day, my first cousin won't cross road. Then go to the truck, fail break. The guy died. We're rushing into hospital. When we heard that the other guy had a stroke at home. So boy, after that, eh, and Walai, see. <laughs> You see a man go back and say, Mr. Chus, please. We, I must not just check. Please bring it. It's not the correct one. This one is for the guy down the road. Bring it, bring it. It's called praise on the earth. They will be afraid. Say, defraud that guy. His defender is strong. But you know, God doesn't defend those who, who steal from other people. For time's sake, I'll stop it here. But I'm, listen, this, are the, this is a prayer point. The main prayer point. It's for the church of Christ. It's for the gospel. You don't pray for Nigeria to prosper. Nigeria will prosper if the church in her prospers properly. I don't mean that the men there become rich. What I mean that the church advances. That it gets to a time. They say they are looking for people who don't steal. They say, ah, don't worry, go to church. You will find them there. Why do you think Daniel kept on making advancement in the government there? Think about Daniel for a moment. Why do you think he kept on making advancement in the government there? It was because the light of God was shining inside him. These are things we need to pray about. Can't we be negotiating? What is our negotiating with APC? 
what they will do for Christians. Well, Buhari came into power, said he's looking for innocent men. We couldn't produce for him. Thank God for our vice president. Oh, no, that guy has been a, look, thank God for him. He's done us proud. That, no, you know, when he became pre- uh, VP, eh? ha, I said, Father, thank you. For once. For once. Because one governor, they said, was a member of full gospel. He will go to, to, to market and be preaching. I didn't tell you the where, I don't tell you where the market is. Oh. <laughs> but we know the rest of the story. But when this, our VP became, when he became VP, I like the jokes they cracked about him. Remember that one circulating? That somebody whispered, say, Oga, the Ghana must go, you give us. For me and my boys, for the boys, we opened it to, now tracks and Bible day inside. <laughs> you know, it was a joke, but I was happy. Are you getting my point? I was happy. You know, it, you know I said, God, thank you for you know, the shame for our face done too plenty. There were some bank MDs those days, okay, with those friends. See the shame they rub for our faces. One, one man wanted to reply one of them. He said, was calling him pastor. You know, you could see the sarcasm. Yes, we use the title Dickens and stuff. We mismanage public funds, other invest, investors' funds. I said, let's thank God for our current pres- vice president. And please, let's pray for him. Make it a point. Once in a while, drop a line of prayer. Father God, keep him the way you kept Daniel. Keep him the way you kept Joseph. Let grace be upon him that his life will remain a shining example for others to follow. I know the truth. It's not really so hard, though. I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but I'm going to say that. Just remove your eyes. What are you looking for? Money. Just say, I don't want. Say, God, I have a request for you. I want to leave the office poor. In Jesus' name, amen. You pray that kind of prayer. All, of the, all the devils will be frustrated. They will not attempt you. Just say, Lord, I have one prayer request. What? When I leave this office, I want to be poor. When I leave, you be a lawyer. I'll go and start doing law practice again. You, know, you can't even really be poor like that. The pension they are giving you, it is to chop. You're not small picking. Your children are wedding. What are you looking for again? And to cling to power that God gives. I hope you know God has decided who's winning the presidential election next one. There are some people who think they are going to win. God said, you will win, but I will kill you. There was one governor now. He won. You know the story now. As we were counting votes, his heart was stopping. Just before they finished counting the votes, the man died. So some people are matching, you know, they are arranging, doing machinations and all of that. God is just looking at them. So if you want to live long, don't contest. If you contest, you will win. If you win, I will kill you. And where you yeah, people are still struggling. Look, let's ask our feet. Let's pray small. But you've got my point. What I've established today is that this is a prayer point that the prayer warriors are supposed to pray. The nation will be preserved. Somebody say amen. amen. God will cause prosperity to come to it. Somebody say amen. amen. But the Paul said it's so that we can live, live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. My point is, listen. The church, the word of Christ is the plan of God. The advancement of his church is his plan. That is where he has hidden the blessing. So he says that, listen, every nation, you want to pray for the country? Pray that this church will grow. Let's thank God for the growth we have experienced so far in this, our country. Say, Lord, thank you. I want you to thank God. Begin to say, Lord, thank you for this nation, 
that you have made an instrument of the advancement of your truth. I want to pray after me. Just say thank you, Lord, for this nation that you have chosen for the advancement of your truth. Thank you for your church because it is growing and the gate of hell will not stop it. Say, I thank you in the name of Jesus because I am a believer. I have been chosen and I'm a soldier of Christ. Say, Lord, I thank you because in this season, that in this season, the truth is not scarce. Thank you for the freedom we have to advance the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we thank you because this gospel will prosper in this nation, into the rest of Africa, and into the rest of the world. In the name of Jesus. Say, it is written, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Therefore, we know that the truth will advance in the name of Jesus. We speak against every obstacle. Every obstacle against the advancement of truth. We say be broken in the name of Jesus. The walls of denominations be broken in the name of Jesus. Any man in authority standing against the advancement of the gospel repent in the name of Jesus or be broken in the name of Jesus. Listen, listen, you can't have more mercy than God. That's just the way it is. God will not say because he likes you, you will stand there against truth and you will stand there for a long time. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish out of the way. Now so it be. That's why we put it the way we put it. Repent or be broken. No, it's not me. It's the scriptures. What did he say? But I lay in, in Zion. That, show, that foundation. He said that anyone who stumbles on it, what happened to him? He's broken. I hope you're getting my point here. It's important. That's how we pray. Let's say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This, state this state that we are in, that we are in will be filled will be with the knowledge of Christ knowledge of as the water covers the seas. The in the name of Jesus. All the surrounding states will be filled with the knowledge of truth as the waters cover the seas in the name of Jesus. The whole country down to the north, every corner of this country will be filled with the knowledge of Christ as the waters cover the seas in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, advance your gospel. Send resources. Send laborers into the harvest in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, from today, I'm going to continue talking about it. We have to pray for the church of Christ. Paul will ask people, pray for me. Let's pray. Say, Father, everyone laboring like Paul, everyone advancing the gospel, everyone teaching the truth, deliver them from evil men in the name of Jesus. If they shoot at them, let them miss. Let that gun jam. Let the bomb explode in the pocket of the man who wants to throw it. But your servants must not be hurt. In the name of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Say as they travel, let them be safe. If they are shipwrecked, they will not drown. In the name of Jesus. Have mercy upon all the Pauls. 
of this generation. People advancing your truth. People who are carrying your gospel. Protect them in the name of Jesus. Raise Philippians for them. You know what that means? Men who will send them money. Paul wrote to the Philippians, I've received what you sent. Say, Lord, send laborers. Send sons of consolation. Say, help us to them. In the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, send laborers into your harvest field. Say, every state in this nation, we speak to it. Be open to the gospel. Every local government, be open to the gospel. Father, let all the hidden men, I'm talking about those that God said they are in caves, they are kept. So let them arise and support Elijah in the name of Jesus. Lord, the labors of our heroes past will not be in vain. You know what we're talking about? The hero is not Namdi Azikiwe. It's not Bafemi Awolo. It's not Amadu Belo. It's not Abad Makali. It's not Jaja of Okpobo. It's not all those people. This is Pa Eltons. This is Babalolas. It is the Archbishop Benson in the Dahosas. The people who rose against all the opposition and they praised the truth. Their labor will not be in vain. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's give a lot of thanks. We'll continue this next time. Say, Father, we thank you. Thank you for enlightening us with truth. Lord, thank you. Thank you for enlightening us with truth. Thank you. Thank you for enlightening us with truth. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, let's share the grace in fellowship. Are you ready? If you're ready, say amen. amen. All right, I want to let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please bless somebody beside you. Say, this is your season. Multiplication, dominion, and shining forth. Another person, please. This is your season. One more person. Let it go around. This is your season of multiplication, dominion, and shining. And don't forget yourself. This is my season. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and shining forth in the name of Jesus.